Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now here's this week's message from Hollyview Church. We're in the Advent season, so Pastor Joel is bringing us a special message called Hope from Psalm 33. Well, we enter into the first week of Advent, and it's focused on on hope. Hope. Uh, I chose the Psalm 33, as you saw in there. There was hope mentioned several uh, times throughout that. I, 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 we don't do much on like thematical preaching here. It's normally book by book, just chapter after chapter. If you've been here, they, you know that's how uh, we normally preach. But, but this season we're, we're entering, we're going to look at a few different psalms and look at some more thematic uh, things. So this will be our, like our entryway uh, into some themes. But Psalm 33 uh, and this idea of, of hope. It was actually a little bit challenging for me to come up with even a sermon uh, thematically on this. And, and as I was going through it uh, and, and working through this week, there the words of Joseph Parker. He was an old uh, British um, congregational pastor over in England. And he said uh, this, if, if you're struggling with what to preach to, preach to hurting hearts because there's one in every pew. Um, and so here's, this is, this is going to be a message uh, I'm hoping will, will drive home to, to many of you. Um, it, it, it'll be uh, a message, um, hopefully right to you. And, and so I hope the Spirit uh, speaks to you. I hope He um, does something in your, in your heart that when you leave here and you go out in the rest of the, your life in the world, uh, that there's something that, that you hold on to uh, from this. They, they say there's this rule of three, threes in, sur- in survivalists. You, you can live... Um, Three minutes without uh, air or oxygen. Some say eight minutes, but I guess it depends on the person. Uh, three minutes without air or in freezing water, you can live about three minutes. You can live about three days without food. Um, but there's a quote that you can't live a moment without hope. That, that, that's the hope is what we all need. And I don't know where you came to this, this morning, how you've come here, uh, but my guess is there's probably something in your life that you're just holding out hope on. Uh, and if you're not there yet, you're probably young and you probably have lots of energy, and I'll address that uh, too, uh, you'll get there as well, the, the hope. Uh, but what this idea of hope, we, we often talk about hope, and we say it, we use it all the time, but what, it, what actually is this hope? Uh, and what is biblical hope in that? And, and there's a lot of words in the Bible, a lot of Hebrew words and uh, some Greek words that, that we translate as, as hope. Uh, and I want to take one of those words, Hebrew words, that, that really gives us a picture, an image. And before we get to the text, I want, I want to give you this image of what hope uh, is. The, the, word, the Hebrew word is kava. Kava. Uh, I think it's on the screen. Uh, kava. And it's really made of, uh, of two different parts. And what we translate it, we translate it as, as hope or sometimes wait or wait with anticipation or wait with this confidence, uh, kava. But it's actually made up of, of two uh, parts in that. Uh, the first part is the kav. It, it's, the, it's a Q, actually, Q-A-V, kav. And, and what that is is that it's actually a cord 
or a string or a rope. Uh, so a cord or a string or a rope is kav. But when you put that tension on that rope and you pull that rope, then it becomes kava. There is a tension that it's waiting to be relieved from, kava. Uh, if you just have no tension, then it's just a rope. When you have the tension, when you have the something, the waiting for something to relieve the, the tension, that's, that's kava, that's hope. Hope with no tension is just a rope. Hope with no tension is just a rope. Now, now hope then, what, what we have as a biblical hope is then uh, securing yourself or tying yourself to some future reality, to some future uh, idea or promise or, or uh, reality of something in the future, and we, we, we tie ourselves or we secure ourselves to that today, and then we live in that tension. Hope is securing yourself to a future reality today and then living in tension. Uh, let me give you another uh, illustration. If you've, ever been, if you've ever been rock climbing, you, you know what this is like. So you have somebody tie in uh, in their little harness, and you get up to the rock claw, and you say, uh, belay, and the person shouts, belay on, and then you can start climbing uh, the rock. Belay, belay on. Start climbing the rock. At the beginning, you start climbing, and there's a handheld, like you get the firm handhold and a foothold, and, and you're just continually walking up, uh, a rock, climbing up this rock. And, and as, as you're going, the rope is just like, it's just dangling there. Like it's almost in the way, and oftentimes you're having to like move it out of the way. You don't need the rope. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a rope. And, and when you're when you're just coming out and you're strong and you're energetic and you feel, man, I got this, you're climbing with that rope there and you're, it's not needed until you get tired or there's, there's a difficulty and you're not quite sure how you're going to get up there or, or, or the rock slips and, and you slip and you fall and all of a sudden that rope that was just dangling there is now pulled tight. There's a, there's a tension in that rope, if the rope is strong enough, and if it's anchored firmly, then it will catch you when you fall. It'll hold you. It'll carry you through those difficult situations. So no matter how many times you're climbing and you fall, that rope will hold you. No, no matter how long you just wait, even in midair, to regain your energy, the rope will hold you if it's strong and it's anchored firmly. And that is hope. Hope is like a rope in tension. Hope is securing yourself to a future reality today and having confidence in what you're anchored to and the strength of that rope. Let me give you another uh, picture of what this is, this is like in just a, a practical ways. There was a young man named Viktor Frankl. He was a psychologist working out of Vienna in the 1940s. Uh, a Jewish man who uh, ended up staying with his family. He could have gone to the States, but he, he stayed uh, in Austria. He got rounded up by the Nazis and sent away to Auschwitz concentration camp. As a psychologist, he wanted to be of comfort and help uh, to people. 
And just imagine this scene. He's, a, he's a, just a mile or two outside of Auschwitz. It's freezing outside. He's dressed in those gray and white, dirty clothes that are there. He has a number tattooed on his arm, and he's out for this, this march with hundreds of other prisoners of Auschwitz. He's freezing. He's bruised. He's in the worst condition of his life. But if you could zoom in on his face, you would see one of the most peaceful faces with a smile on his face. You see, in that moment, on that march, hope was carrying him through the darkness. He, he wrote a book called Man's Search for, for Meaning. And this is, this is a little excerpt from, from that. He said, we stumbled on in the darkness over big stones and through large puddles along the one road leading from the camp. The accompanying guards kept shouting at us and driving us with the butts of their rifles. Anyone with very sore feet supported himself on his neighbor's arm. Hardly a word was spoken. The icy wind did not encourage talk. Hiding his mouth from an upturned collar, the man marching next to me whispered suddenly, if our wives could see us now. I do hope they are better off in in their camps and don't know what is happening to us. He said, that brought thoughts of my own wife to mind. And as we stumbled on for miles, slipping on icy spots, supporting each other time and again, dragging one another up and onward, nothing was said, but we both knew. Each one of us was thinking of his wife. Occasionally I looked at the sky where the stars were fading and the pink light of the morning was beginning to spread behind a dark bank of clouds. But my mind clung to my wife's image, imagining it, with an uncanny acuteness. I heard her answering me, saw her smile, her her frank and encouraging look. Real or not, her look was then more luminous than the sun, which was beginning to rise. You see, in that moment, Victor was holding on to hope. The, The hope that one day he would see his wife again. One day they would be together again. But he also noticed, as a psychologist, the same thing happening in in the camp. It was around Christmas time, and he noticed that the death rate from Christmas to New Year's spiked among the camp. And he made this observation. He said, uh, we had heard that the Americans were going to come. And so everyone, they tied their hope. They secured their hope to this reality that by Christmas they would be free. And when Christmas came and went... They realized the the anchor wouldn't hold, their rope was too short, and they fell, and they were left without hope, and and they died. He said, the difference between life and death for many people in the camps all came down to hope. Hope is securing yourself to a future reality today. And you might be, uh, you might be out there thinking, hey, have you seen the news lately, Joel? I don't know if you know, like, there's not much to hope in, in the world around us. Where can you even find hope today? Maybe you're tired and discouraged and broken. Maybe you've gotten some really tough news and you're just wondering, will the anchor hold? Will the rope be strong enough to carry the weight of the world? I want to go back to Psalm 33, and I want to focus in on just uh, the last part of Psalm 33, and I want to suggest three elements of hope as a rope intention. Hope as a rope intention. Uh, and I want to read uh, just a few, some of these verses again and, and look for the words hope through them. If you have your Bibles, uh, Psalm 33, and we'll 
Begin on verse 13. 33 and verse 13 till the end of the chapter. It says, The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the heart of them all and observes all their deeds. Verse 16, the king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. A war horse is false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Hope is securing a future reality to yourself today. It's, it's tying yourself into that, that rope. Here are three elements of, of hope as this rope intention. If you're taking notes, write this down. The first one is this, the anchor of hope. Here's the anchor of hope. You know, uh, in verse 16, he talks about the king. He secures his hope. He ties in uh, this future reality uh, of his army, this, this group of, of men who are out there going to fight for them, his strength, the training, the resources, everything's going to fight for them, and he's securing his reality to the victory that they will secure. And then, then the bullets start flying, and the arrows are let loose, and some of them are killed, and some of them run away, and they're not going to win forever. And when they fail, the king realizes, what I put my anchor in, is collapsing around me, and then he falls. Well, do you put your hope, do you tie your hope to a political party? To, to a group, to an organization, even to a church? And then the vote doesn't turn out like you were hoping it would? The group kind of falls apart. A church goes through difficulties, and all of a sudden that anchor that you had tied to, it, it's crumbling, and you, and you fall. As a warrior secures his hope to his own strength. You know, he starts climbing and he's like, yeah, I got this. He trusts in his own feet, in his own handholds. He's, he's secure and strong. He'll never slip until he grows tired and old and his body breaks apart and he gets news from the doctor. And he realizes that his anchor that he had tied his, himself to is, is slipping and he falls. If your hope is in your own strength and your ability, the anchor will fail one day. Others, Psalm 33 says, secure their hope to a war horse. Some weapon for war or instrument that's way more powerful than you. That you can use and wield for your own good and your own safety. And you're riding that horse into war, and then he missteps, and he ends up breaking his leg, and you realize that anchor won't hold. If you've tied your hope to your, your bank account, your 401k, 
your house, your, your business, the degree, anything else, it's going to end up failing. But the Bible gives us hope. Hope that's secure. And it's not tied to circumstances or, or even anything else other than a person and a promise. The biblical hope secures its anchor to Jesus. And the promises that he says that if he creates the universe on will come about. In verse, in verse 22 in Psalm 33, it says, Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. The anchor for biblical hope is in a person of Jesus. Just look at a couple more of these verses in Psalms. Psalm 39.7 says, And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Psalm 130, verse 7. O Israel, hope, not in a favorable outcome or circumstances, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is, a stead, there is steadfast love, and with Him is plentiful redemption. Psalm 146, verse 5. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. We could go on and on and on and see that the biblical hope is anchored in the person of Jesus. In this Psalm 33, he gives us this picture right away that Jesus, he, he's in the heavens and he sees everything and he's sitting on a throne. He has all control, all power. You're not outside of his uh, vision and scope and sovereignty. And from that place, from heaven, knowing all of that stuff, he drops a rope down to you. It says, here's, here's the hope, and it's secured to the throne in heaven. A throne that will never move or fail. When, when, when tough times come and you fall back, that rope will be in tension because what you secure it to, God's promises and person will never fail. The writer of Hebrews puts it like this, Hebrews 6 and verse 19. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of our soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as the forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He drops this rope down and offers the hope and if your hope is secured to anything other than Jesus and his throne and the promises, it will one day fail. The anchor will not hold. There will be no more tension. Here's the second thing. So the anchor of hope. The second one is the strength of hope. The anchor may be really firm, but if the rope is weak, you will fall. It will break and you'll go tumbling down. The anchor must be firm, but the rope must be strong enough to hold the weight that's crushing down on it. Psalm 33 and verse 18 says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those whose hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive and famine. I think all of us have experienced uh, some time when, when we felt the rope break. We had hope in something and it, it broke. It was too weak. The, the burdens were too strong. And it feels like when the world's falling apart and we go, well, at least I have my friends. At least I have my, my family. At least I have my, 
my spouse. And when all those burdens and weight come crushing down and it's just too much for them, they can't even carry it. And they end up not knowing what to do or walking away or, or just not even that they don't care. It's just that they, they're not God and they can't carry that weight. They're not strong enough. And the rope breaks and you're left wondering. You know, as a psychiatrist, I think uh, they often talk about this idea of uh, when you put your hope in something and, and, and that hope breaks and you fall and you get hurt or, or wounded, uh, you, you end up shortening your rope. Your hope comes to shorter and, and shorter things. So that, then you're just, you're just hoping, I'm going to hope in only this because if I fall, I don't want to get hurt. But, but biblical hope is based on the steadfast love of God that will never fail. It will never let you down. Trauma and hurt and pain, if we give them to the Lord, you can learn to how to secure yourself to a future hope that is even beyond any of your circumstances or situations or where you're in right now. It will carry you through the worst of situations and pull you through. The strength of hope is in the steadfast love of God. That he himself even went to the cross, the worst of all situa situations and circumstances, to secure the hope for you that he will carry you through no matter what you're facing today. And I know some of you are facing hard stuff. But the strength of God's hope will carry you through. You just got to trust him in that. Here's the last element of biblical hope. So it's anchored in a person and the promises of Jesus. It's strengthened by his steadfast love. And so you're like, well, so as I leave here, what do I do to cultivate hope? I mean, if it's just Jesus who secured it and it's Jesus' love who done it, how do I cultivate hope in my world? Because I sure need it right now. How do you cultivate hope? Here's the last thing I want to mention. It's the instrument of hope. The instrument of hope, number three. And as you'll see, uh, we, we often think of hope as like this feeling you have. Like, ooh, I can't wait, this anticipation. There's something you feel inside. But biblical hope is more a way of thinking than it is an emotion. It's a way of thinking. It engages your mind about that future reality that is secured by the promises and person of Jesus in the future, and it invites you in to think about it. So I'm going to say the instrument of hope is actually an informed imagination, an informed imagination, an imagination that is grounded in the truth, not one that's just imagining. And that's, we call that just wishful thinking. Boy, I wish it would be like this. I wish it would be like this. But it's not grounded in the truth. Dreaming with no substance is, is nothing. But biblical hope imagines based on what the Bible says. It's an informed imagination. Now, I think as, as Christians, we often stop short of this imagination. What will be. I think sometimes because the tension's too much, we get our eyes down and we look at our present world, and boy, we have no hope here. And that's not true. We have hope. And he's given us this, this line that if we look all the way up, we would see, oh, yes, that's what he's talking about. That's where he is taking me. This hope invites you 
to imagine. It's in the tension of the now and not yet, like even Chris was, was talking about. Of course our world is broken and a wreck right now, but hope will carry us through to the promises of God. Hope invites you to imagine. It invites you to wonder. It invites you to think, to dream in a way that God presents the world as it will be. When God is our king and when everything is put to right. It invites you into imagine when peace and harmony, when, when the world will be reconciled under God, when everyone will be where they are in relation to God and everything will be as it should be. When you'll be at peace and harmony with everyone around you. When you won't walk into a room and feel that tense, and like, oh, I don't know how they're feeling. or That's going to be gone. When you can engage and do the things that you love to do without the worry of saying something wrong or doing something wrong or the burden of the chaos of this world or the stress or the burden, when everything you do will be meaningful, but will that be a good day? This imagination into eternity that one day you're going to hug and kiss your loved ones that you've lost. It's a reality. It's the promise of God. The new heavens and the new, new earth where there's no more sickness or corruption, no more wars and death, where you can explore and hike and fish and play sports without fear of tearing your, your meniscus or your, turning your ankles. You can just play and the freedom of it. I think Christians of all people in the world should be the people who are just born out of this hope and how we cultivate it in this informed imagination. And the Bible invites us to that. If you, if you get in the Bible and you read it, it doesn't limit us. It, it gets our eyes up. Just listen to this. Revelation 21.1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. What's that going to be like? Well, in Christ, that's our promise. That's, that's a secure promise, a future reality that we can secure ourselves to today and that invites us to dream and think about it. Philippians 4, we just studied this, and verse 8 says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is uh, commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about it. Imagine it. Uh, not just fanciful, wishful thinking, but secured in the promises of God and His Word. So that might mean, boy, I should read the Bible. And I would say, yes, read the Bible. It secures you, but not to just secure you down. It gets your eyes up so that you can secure yourself to this future promise of God in His Word. So let me ask you just at kind of the end here. So what, what are you tied to? What's on the other end of 
of this hope that you have? Uh, is, is it going to hold you? Is it going to hold you through all the circumstances? And maybe this morning you feel the tension. You're like, man, the way the world is and where I'm at, it does not feel right. And you'd be like, yes, you're right. You're living in tension, and that's where the hope will carry you through if the hope is firmly anchored and will be strong enough to carry you through. Maybe you need to turn to Jesus this morning, and maybe you just need to go, Lord, I'm stuck. I feel like I'm falling. I need to trust on your steadfast love to carry me through, anchored to your cross, and to get your eyes up and imagine informed imagination on his word. This engaged imagination of a new heaven and a new earth when things will be as the king declares them to be. I don't think as believers we often uh, dream too much. I think we actually imagine too little. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. He's given us these signposts uh, of these promises uh, that are in the future that he has declared. The God who declared creation to be as it is has the same might to declare what will be in the future as well. And this season, as we enter into Advent, begins a time to secure our future to a king born in a manger who will reign as king over the whole earth. So wherever you're at this morning, there's hope. There's hope. Let's pray. I'll be reading a prayer by Thomas Akempis. A prayer for enlightening the mind. Enlighten me, good Jesus, with the brightness of internal light, and take away all darkness from the habitation of my heart. Restrain my wandering thoughts and suppress the temptations which attack me so violently. Fight strongly for me and vanquish these evil beasts, the alluring desires of the flesh, so that peace may come through your power and the fullness of your praise resound in your holy courts, which is a pure conscience. Command the winds and the tempests. Say to the sea, be still, and to the north wind, do not blow, and there will be a great calm. Send forth your light and your truth to shine on the earth. For I am as earth, empty and formless, until you illuminate me. Pour out your grace from above. Shower my heart with heavenly dew. Open the springs of devotion to water the earth, that it may produce the best of good fruits. Lift up my heart, pressed down by the weight of sin, and direct all my desires to heavenly things. That having tasted the sweetness of supernatural happiness, I may find no pleasure in thinking of earthly things. And Lord, as we respond now, I pray that we would have our anchors and hope firmly fixed on you and your promises. Lord, that we would experience the, the strength of your steadfast love, which would carry us through anything. And Lord, would we be a people with informed imagination to be uh, meditating and chewing on the things of you, Lord, that would enlighten our vision and our hearts and our eyes this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. 
We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212, between Boring and Damascus, Oregon, or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.